This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been talking about prayer. We left off yesterday talking about how Martin Luther gives kind of a framework for helping people to pray better, to pray well. And it's using the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. If you missed out on yesterday, we talked about how to use the Ten Commandments. Today, we want to spend a little time talking about how we can utilize the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. Um, We do record many shows at the same time. And so you're going to think, wait a minute, I'm not hearing Jonathan jump we in kicked him out of the studio. on this particular one. <laughs> we could only handle four shows with Jonathan <laughs> this week. And so we just said enough. It's enough is that, enough. It's either that or he had an, another appointment that he needed to go to. <laughs> we'll let you as the listener decide. Um, but I did want to come back to this question specifically because I don't know if people utilize the Apostles' Creed frequently as a, as a means to help in their prayer life. So what does that look like? Can I read it? Why does that matter? Yes, please do. Here's the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just start by saying that a book that is very helpful on this, it's a Trinitarian framework, not specifically on the Apostles' Creed, But John Owen, Communion with the Triune God, is really this idea of um, this framework of I I should commune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the Apostles' Creed's Trinitarian framework Mm -hmm. is to assist us in that. And and so really what it's doing is saying, okay, as I come to the Father, what do I have in my mind? I have in my mind him as the one that reigns and rules over all things, a God that is limitless in power. He's almighty. He is the one that by his word of power not only brought all things into existence, he's the creator, but he's also the sustainer. That The scriptures always tie those together, that by that same powerful word, God upholds all things, mm. and that we come to, that's who we come to in prayer is our Father, it's just the equivalent of saying, our Father, which art in heaven. It's the God that reigns over all things, who's our Father. And just the meditation upon the, just the doctrinal clarity there, the, the sense of understanding, yes, Father, also Almighty, mm-hmm. and, and all those elements of 
understanding, being reminded of the Lord's Prayer and, and understanding who he is, that he is, of course, close and he's Father, but he's also Almighty. He is to be hallowed. He is to be holy, and we are to revere him appropriately as well. All those other elements, and just reminds me, too, of the way in which the um, the psalmist would recount the works of God. And when we're recounting the, the works and the, the truths and the doctrines, um, you know, when we are professing our faith, that is an encouraging element. In you know, We talked already about this idea of prayer is something that's uh, meant for our good. It's meant for our edification. It's meant for the building up of uh, of our souls. And so um, when we are are praying through these wonderful truths uh, in a Trinitarian fashion, we're drawing close to God, but we're also strengthening our hearts by the truth that we are uh, meditating on and praying back to God. I think this the Apostles' Creed helps you move from a, a supplication focus to an adoration focus. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we're not That's saying really that supplication is wrong. Not at all. But I think we... I'll say for myself, it's easy to get into supplication mode, and the the marrow of prayer is adoring God. And the Apostles' Creed sets it up, as you said, a Trinitarian framework, and then each work of what the Trinity has specifically done, so helpful. And I, I even think we talked about God as Father, God as Almighty, but God as Creator, actually, I, I don't think we settle in on that enough. The, the Creator-Creature distinction that God is not like us, um, and we're living in His world. Yes, and He is our He is our Maker, and because He's our Maker, He can rightfully make demands upon us mm-hmm. that we are not an autonomous being; we are a dependent being. We are one that it has a call upon our life. Um, I just gave a talk at at a, at a youth convention, and one of the things about Him being our Creator is He defines us. He establishes our identity. We don't give ourselves our own identity. We, we have an identity because we were created by God as an image bearer of him. And so there are demands upon us. And I think we have undervalued and undertaught and under-contemplated God as creator. Yeah. Then the next part of the creed goes into the Son. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Those three terms, I remember when I first was exposed to the Apostles' Creed, I thought that was, I don't know, cur- curious that those three clauses were in there, but it shows the historicity of this God who put on flesh and came and dwelt among us, that God's only Son. I mean, talk about fuel for prayer. God, you are the creator of all things, and you sent your son to come and dwell among us, and he actually came in history. He was conceived by the Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. These are real historical facts. This isn't a myth. This is true. And I think it's important to know then how the book of Hebrews deals with that. Because Jesus Christ came and lived among us, then he can identify with his people and his people can know that we have one because later on in Apostles' Creed, it will say that he died, ascended, and sits at the right hand. And so the book of Hebrews makes a lot of that reality of the ascension of Christ and the ascension of the one that was incarnate means that we have an advocate in heaven that we can identify with our struggles and our weaknesses. And I think that's all wrapped up into the Apostles' Creed. Well, I think that's a a great point to we're talking about why we should pray and all these different things well 
one of the things is that Jesus, of course, is our model, and in his ascension, in his, in, in his high priestly role, he is praying, right? He prays for us. That's, that's that intercessory role that he has. And so part of, um, again, part of the call of the, of the Christian is to be like Christ, and it, it is, to, is to follow his example. Of course, he's more than an example. We, we understand the, the errors of some theology that see Jesus as simply an example. He's certainly more than that, but he's not less than that. And yeah. part of that is, is the importance of reflecting on and understanding his humanity, as, as the creed identifies, but then also, just as you pointed out, Russ, the idea of, of his ascension is so important in understanding. There's so much wrapped up in that small ident- uh, identification there to recognize that Jesus continually prays for his people. And if Jesus is praying for us, uh, that's good news. And he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. Yep. I mean, talk about an anchor of hope. Like oftentimes we get clogged down and looking at things that can be seen and the creed causes you to lift, lift your eyes up to things that are unseen, that this world is not the way that it's going to be in the end. And that gives hope. Praying that would give hope. Maybe it's just because I have this talk on my mind, but I think we are to to bring into this section our union with Christ. Yeah. And so in our prayers, we can say, because Jesus Christ died, I died. Yep. My sinful self died. Because he was raised, I have been raised to new life. I, I now have a new power working within me. I'm not... I've been made alive because of the ongoing work of the Spirit, and I've ascended, not quite physically yet, but I'm also done. I'm in Christ. As He reigns, I'm reigning with Him, and I don't have to live a defeated life because I'm victorious in Him. And so I, I maybe, like I said, I'm just overreading no. this because of what I just talked on, but I think union with Christ comes into this section of the Apostles' Creed. And then the last part of the Apostles' Creed is the Holy Spirit, I believe, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I think I think praying this last part especially will help us to correct wrong ideologies that we have about the Holy Spirit. How many times do we do that show about what evangelicals believe about the Holy Spirit, that he's some force or power or you know, he's not a divine person. Yeah. He's an it, right? And this last part of the Apostles' Creed, as you're praying through it, you're praying those things that the Holy Spirit has affected, that he has accomplished, that he has uh, succeeded in. I think part of praying, too, a huge part of praying, and we're called to pray in this way, and it's to pray with thanksgiving. And, and as you are praying through this, you're reflecting back to God uh, the truths and the glories of all that he is and all that he's done. But, um, but then you're also really praying with gratitude for the reality that you've experienced because of, of the triune God. Yeah. This is just going to be my one little quick tie-in to the Lord's Prayer. There's a corporate nature to the Lord's Prayer. And I actually think in this last section of the Apostles' Creed is where that corporate nature of prayer comes in that the Spirit doesn't just indwell me, He indwells all of God's people, and that's what leads to the the church, the Holy Catholic Universal Church, the Communion of Saints, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is a corporate nature to every petition of the Lord's Prayer, and it's because that we're not just united to Christ, we're united to all of God's people. Yeah, and and that united with all God's people comes through the indwelling Spirit. Yeah. Did you say Catholic? 
<laughs> I did. I did. Right? That's, I, this, it's a scary word to Protestants, uh, to some people, especially if you're not familiar, but that idea of a sense of the universal work of God, that, he, that, that he's not just saving me, but that he has, he has plans for history and for the world that, that we understand and put ourselves in a perspective that even among, you know, sometimes I think a lot of modern evangelicalism wants to, you know, loves that, that line of the song, you know, uh, he, he, he thought of me above all. Um, well, no, he has a much bigger vision for this than me, and that we are part of what he's doing in the world and throughout time. And yeah. so that's that big idea of the of the the Holy Catholic Church, this universal work of God. Amen. Just real quick corrective, and then I'm going to let Josh jump in here. This whole idea of the communion of the saints, the lack of individualism, even the resurrection of the body. There's such a misconception among so many people that when I die, I bodily am in the presence of God. I am not. My soul is there. My body awaits because, as one of my seminary professors would say, Jesus Christ will not have his bride in parts. He will only bring his bride to himself as one. And so the resurrection of the body doesn't happen with Uncle Bobby and and Aunt Joey and, you know, all of us will be re- resurrected at the same time. Though our spirits are present. Though our present souls are present. But you can't say, oh, Uncle Joe is up in heaven fishing. Right. No, he's not. He's not up in heaven fishing, not because I don't believe you're going to fish in heaven, but because he doesn't have a body yet. Right. And it's really hard for the soul to cast the line yeah. into the <laughs> into the great sea of glass up in heaven. So I just wanted to quote this one verse, uh, for in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. I, I mean, the Apostles' Creed should help divest us of that hyper-individualism. We should think corporately that we are corporately the body of Christ. This is all the time we have today, but there is a a little kid's book that's helpful on this, um, The Barber Who Wanted to Pray by R.C. Sproul. So if you are at the conference, ReformationPoise.com, you can pick that up. We'll see you next time. 